0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, We invite you to turn in your Bibles as we study the events of the tribulation in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. For today's message, is this the end of the world? There are two things, there are more than two things, but there are two things that will describe and characterize the environment during the great tribulation when the game is just about completely over. And in fact, as we now are approaching the two-minute warning, or maybe we've already reached the two-minute warning, these two things are very much describing the world in which we live today. And if you wanna jot these down, it might be an interesting thing for you because this sermon is gonna be different, but hopefully it will be interesting. If you're a person who likes to think about Bible prophecy and study the book of Revelation, I think this sermon is gonna be right down your alley. If you're one of those people that says, well, you know, Bible prophecy is not really my thing. And I never have been able to understand the book of Revelation anyway. Well, if you'll just stay with me for the next half hour, I believe this message will be a blessing to you because I'm going to make it practical and I'm going to make it where you can say, well, you know what? I understand now what the Bible is saying. But before we get into the book of Revelation, two things that will describe the environment as this world winds down and as the sun sets on it. First of all, false religion And secondly, dirty politics. In fact, that is the title of this message, False Religion and Dirty Politics. Now, I want to define both of those expressions. And what do I mean, first of all, by false religion? Well, simply this. False religion is any religion that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me say that again. False religion is any religion that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if I wanted to, I could just list a long uh, string of religions and say, this one's false, this one's false, this one's false, this one's false. But I think our definition is so inclusive that any any religion that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is a false religion. Now, before we get into the book of Revelation, I wish you would open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. It is towards the end of the New Testament. In fact, it is very close to the book of Revelation. And I wanna show you some verses in 1 John chapter number two and beginning in verse number 18. And here's what the apostle John is saying. He said, little children, it is the last hour. Now, before we read on, let me comment on that. He said it's the last hour. Maybe you remember back in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 where Paul said, we're living in the last days. John is writing years later than Paul wrote, and John is saying it is the last hour. Paul died 30 or 40 years before John died John lived to be close to 100 years of age, if not not 100 years of age. And so 30 or 40 years after the Apostle Paul died, John said to his readers, you need to understand something. When Paul wrote, it was the last days. But as I'm writing, it is the last hour. Now think about this. It was the last hour 2,000 years ago. So if metaphorically speaking, 2,000 years ago, it was the last hour what is it today? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the two-minute warning. It's the last minutes of the game. And here's what John described as the environment that would dominate the last hour. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrist have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And so when he's talking about many antichrists have come, there's only one antichrist, one person who will be the antichrist, but the spirit of antichrist has been around for a long time. What is the spirit of antichrist? It is any religion or anybody that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And John said this is a sign that we're in the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar... But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And that word Christ means Lord, Master, King. And so anybody who denies that is a liar. He is Antichrist. He may not be the Antichrist, but he has the spirit of Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Now, verse 23 is interesting to me. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Who, he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And so there are many in the world who say, well, you know, I don't accept Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus, but I, I believe in God the Father. Now, John says, if you don't acknowledge the Son, you don't have the Father. And so that, that too is the spirit of Antichrist. So again, a false religion is any religion that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, how about dirty politics? What do I mean when I, when I make the statement, dirty politics? Dirty politics could be defined Lots of ways, but I'll define it this way. When politicians are more concerned with power, prestige, and popularity than they are with people. Let me say that again. Dirty politics happens when politicians are more concerned with power, their own power, their own prestige, and their own popularity than they are with people. Because if you're not concerned about the people, you're only going to do what's best for you. So dirty politics is when a politician says, hey, I'm in it for me. I'm in it for, for what I can get out of this. Forget the people. It's all about me. And if you have that attitude, then it's going to, you're gonna be deceptive, you're gonna do whatever is best for you, and that is the Antichrist. The Antichrist, at the beginning of the tribulation, is gonna make a peace treaty with Israel, and he's gonna to say to everyone on the earth, you can worship whoever you wanna worship. The Jews can go back into Jerusalem, they can rebuild the temple, there's not been a temple in Jerusalem for almost 2,000 years, and so he's gonna say you can go back, rebuild the temple, if you're this religion, you can do that, if you're that religion, you can do this, and he's gonna make a peace treaty with them, but as we'll see, later in this message, three and a half years into the great tribulation, he will break that peace treaty. He will, by this time, the temple will have been rebuilt in Jerusalem. He will set up his own throne in the holiest place in that temple. It's described in the the gospels as the abomination of desolation. He will demand, now that he be worshiped, So now he'll not just let the Jews worship God and he'll not let everybody else worship whoever they want to worship. He will demand that he be worshiped. This is when the mark of the beast will be given and people who will not worship uh, the Antichrist, he will turn against them and he will kill them. It's dirty politics because at the beginning, he says, hey, worship whoever you want to. Halfway through, he shows his true colors. He says, it never was about you. It was always about me. I've always wanted to be worshiped. I've always wanted to be God, and now I demand that you worship me. And so, having said that, if you'll turn now to the book of Revelation, I'm just kind of laying the foundation, getting us ready for our study today, and today we're going to be in Revelation chapter number 17. And so I'm going to have an opportunity for the next few minutes to do something I don't think I've ever done in all my life, and that is to preach an entire sermon out of Revelation chapter 17. And in doing this, I want to give you an opportunity to do something I doubt you've ever done, and that is to hear an entire sermon out of Revelation chapter 17. I'm not saying you never have. Maybe you have. I'm saying I've never preached one, and I don't know how many sermons I've ever heard out of Revelation chapter 17. So even if you've heard one before. I bet you haven't heard too many. And today when we're studying it, I hope that this will be a blessing to you. So remember now the theme, if you wanted to write a theme over Revelation chapter 17, false religion and dirty politics. Now let's just dive right in and begin reading. Let's pick up in verse number uh, one. But before we start reading, let me say this. Revelation 17 and 18 is not describing any new judgments that will happen after the bowl judgments. As we saw last week, when the bowl judgments are finished, The wrath of God is done. In fact, if you look back in chapter 16 and in verse number 17, verse 17, it said, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And so when this seventh bowl is turned upside down and the wrath and judgment of God is poured out on the earth, God says, it is done. No more judgment. And so in chapter 17 and 18, we're not reading about new and additional judgments. What we're getting in these two chapters is a highlight of some of the things that happened during the seven-year period of tribulation, during the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgment. So when we get to John 17, or Revelation 17 and 18, the Apostle John steps back, as it were, and he highlights some things that have already taken place. And so let's just dive right in. Verse number one of Revelation 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits. On many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. I wish you'd just underline those two words a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Now, underline those three words a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And so John is describing what he is seeing. He's seeing a woman and he's seeing a beast. Now, first of all, who is the woman? She's referred to in verse one as a harlot. And now he describes her in verse three as a woman. In Bible prophecy, women always refer to religion. Sometimes it's good, Sometimes it's bad. It's good, for example, we read in the Bible that we as Christians are the bride of Christ. Well, there's a reference to a woman, but that's a beautiful, that's a good reference. But here, it's not the bride of Christ. It's a harlot. It's a wicked, evil woman. And what is this that John is describing when he describes this woman? He's talking about uh, the false religion. And this will become clearer as we go through the uh, as we go through this chapter. And then he talks about the beast. Now, who is the beast? Well, the beast, of course, is the antichrist. And we read this term 36 times in the book of Revelation. The beast. It's always called the beast. In 1 John, he's actually called the Antichrist, but in Revelation, he doesn't go by, we don't get that full name, he's just described as the beast. Now, turn back to chapter number 11. I want to show you one verse. We saw this months and months ago, but it'd be good to see it today. In Revelation chapter number 11 and in verse number 7, this is the first reference we have in the book of Revelation to the Antichrist. Revelation eleven seven. 7, when they finish their testimony, that's talking about the two witnesses at that point in the tribulation, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. And so where does the, where does the beast come from? He comes from the bottomless pit and it comes from a, from a demonic world and presumably will inhabit a human body. It's a devilish, demonic person. But this is the very first reference we have to him. Now turn to chapter number 13. Because in chapter number 13, we have a description in the first eight verses of the Antichrist. I don't want to read all those verses, but we read in chapter 17 about how he'll have seven heads. Uh, We'll look in verse number three. This is all metaphorical language, but notice what it says. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Now remember, the beast is the Antichrist. He hates Jesus. He's jealous of Jesus. He wants the same worship and adoration that is reserved only for Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried. He came back to life again. There will come a point in the tribulation where the Antichrist will be wounded, but he will stage a fake death. And it will appear as though he has been killed. And then he will come back to life again, trying to mimic Jesus, trying to look like Jesus, trying to portray himself as one who has conquered death. And when he does that, he's going to get a great following. Now, bring that out early in the message, because as we work through chapter 17... John's going to make a reference back to those two things that we've just seen. So that will make it uh, good later on. So we have the woman representing false religion, and we have the beast representing the Antichrist. Now look in verse number four. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And so this woman is beautiful on the outside, but she is wicked and evil on the inside. And on her forehead, a name was written. Now watch this. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And so now this woman is being described as the mother of harlots, Babylon the Great. Okay, all false religion can be traced back and has its roots in Babylon. Babylon is located uh, in modern-day Iraq. It is 50 miles south of Baghdad. And in the Bible, we read in different places about Babylon, but we also read in Genesis chapter 11 about a place called Babel. And where back in way early times, the people decided they would build a tower up to God and they would make a name for themselves and they would make a city for themselves and they would be great. And so they're building this tower up to God. In the Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says, God came down to see this thing they were doing and how they were building this tower up to God. And God was angry as they were trying to build a monument to themselves. And what did God do? God confused their languages and God scattered the people all over the world. And now people are having to move to places where they understand the languages that are being spoken. And so it was called Babel because when they started talking, it sounded like they were babbling. And the name Babel and the name Babylon literally mean confusion. And that's what false religion is. It is confusion. The people building that tower were confused and they were trying to make a name for themselves instead of trying to glorify God's name. Now look in verse number six. John said, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. A reference to the fact that many genuine Christians will be killed during the tribulation and they will be killed by these who are practicing false religion and even following the Antichrist. And John said, when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now look at verses 7 and 8. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit, the abyss. We just read that in chapter number 11. That's where he came from. And go to perdition, destruction. Ultimately, the Antichrist will go to hell, to the lake of fire. And it says, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So he was, and then he is not. He was appeared to be killed, and now he's come back on the scene again. Now look in verse number nine. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And so perhaps this is a reference to Rome. Maybe so, maybe not. Some say yes, some say not. Rome is known as a city that is surrounded by seven mountains. And so maybe this is the revived Roman empire. Maybe not. Some most theologians, I think, would say it's virtually impossible to tell where the Antichrist will, will center and headquarter his religion one day. Will it be in ancient Babylon, 50 miles south of Baghdad? Will, will that area become the headquarters for the Antichrist? Will it be the revived Roman Empire? Well, it's just not clear exactly where that will be. But look in verse number 10. There are also seven kings. So, these seven heads that the Antichrist had is is representing these seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. Now, what in the world? This is some deep stuff. This is why people get tripped up in Revelation. They say, How could anybody ever understand this? Well, it is a very difficult book to understand. And I don't claim to have the full knowledge of this book. I learn every time I study something I didn't know before. And in studying for this, these seven kings, it says five have fallen. It is talking about five kingdoms, five empires that have risen and fallen by the time John wrote this apocalypse, this book of the Revelation. Who, which, which kingdoms? The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and the Greeks. You don't even have to be a student of the Bible to know about those five dominant world empires. You just have to be a student of world history to know that those were the five first kingdoms in the the Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, the Persians, and the Greeks. So those have all, those have fallen, John says, and then he says one is. So there's one kingdom that's, that's happening at the time John wrote this. That was the Roman Empire when John wrote Revelation, it was all about Rome. Rome ruled the world. And then he says, and the other has not yet come. What is that a reference to? It's a reference to the Antichrist. And then he says, and when he comes, the Antichrist, he must continue a short time. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not and is himself also the eighth And is of the seven and is going to perdition. And so the Antichrist is one of the seven leaders of the world. After the Roman Empire that fell a long, long time ago, there has not been one empire that rules the world. Now, America is a superpower but i don't think you could nobody could say that that america is an empire that rules the world china is not an empire that rules the world since when from the time that rome fell until now there's not been an empire that will rule that has ruled the world but when antichrist comes he will rule the world very significant that we understand that the antichrist just like these other empires will rule the world so he's one of the seven but as we saw earlier he's going to stage a death and then a resurrection, and so after that, he's gonna now be considered the eighth empire. It's like he had his empire, he was killed, he came back, and so he's one of the seven, but he's also is now, on. he's the eighth empire. So the Antichrist is the seventh and the eighth uh, leader of the world in verse number, and it says, and is of the seven and is going to perdition, destruction. He's headed to to hell, but he's not there yet. Verse 12, the 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings who have received no kingdoms as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings of the beast. These 10, these ten kings that on the, these 10 horns on the Antichrist ahead that are representing these, these, uh, these, these 10 kings, they're like puppet kings who do whatever the Antichrist tells them to do. and for a short time, they're going to have some uh, authority. Look in verse number 13 and 13 and 14 they, these, these 10 Kings are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So they just, they just serve the beast. They're puppet Kings. Verse 14, these will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. So these Kings working under the authority of antichrist will will eventually challenge Jesus Christ himself to a battle the lamb of god and that will be the battle of armageddon in chapter 19 that we'll get to eventually but it's talking about how these kings are going to challenge Jesus and Jesus will overcome them he will put them down now look in verses 15 through 17 then he said to me the waters which you saw where the where the harlot sits are peoples multitudes And nations and tongues and the ten horns, which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their heart to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And so the harlot, this woman is sitting on top of these waters. The waters represent people. The woman represents the the false religion of the day. And there's coming a time when the the people, the woman, is going to turn against uh, the people. And these 10 kings, which are on the earth, are going to turn against the people and is going to kill the people. And so think about what I said earlier. At the beginning of the tribulation... Antichrist is going to make a peace covenant. Worship whoever you want to worship. If you're Jewish, worship the God of the Old Testament. If you're some other religion, worship your God. But halfway in, and this comes out in Revelation chapter number 13. I didn't go to all those verses, but it says at the midpoint of the tribulation, he will be given 42 months, that's three and a half years, and at this point, the mark of the beast will be given, and the Antichrist will demand that he be worshipped. For those of you who prayed with John at the end of his message to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. We are so happy for you. Please share your decision with us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Once again, that's one 800 Three three seven zero one five seven. Thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to you joining us on the next. Peace by believing with John Redmond.